Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast series, Trading Straits. I'm Richard Swinburne, and today I'm joined by fellow energy and natural resources sports, Francis Furness and James Atkin. The three of us seem to spend much of 2021 focused on the LNG sector, which I guess says something about how busy the sector has been in the last 12 months. So we thought it worthwhile just spending a few minutes at the beginning of 2022 discussing what we as lawyers in the sector expect to see from the LNG market this year. So Francis, perhaps I can start with a question for you. Do you expect the price volatility that has been experienced through 2021 continuing through 2022? Yeah, I think so, Richard, at least in the short term. So we're still in the winter months in both Europe and Asia, and continued high demand in both of these important markets seems a reasonably safe bet. When you combine that with reports of low storage levels in both the US and Europe, I think we might see continued fairly fierce competition for supplies as between those markets. And that may well have the effect of driving prices up or at least keeping them relatively high. James, what, what, what do you think? Uh, thanks, Richard. Well, yeah, fully agree with Francis. I think there's a great deal of ongoing uncertainty in the market right now, which is going to then feed into the price volatility. We've obviously got COVID-19 and unfortunately various variants of that, coupled with different approaches adopted in different jurisdictions to manage outbreaks, which impacts demand for for all energy sources. We've also got uncertainty surrounding Nord Stream 2 and the, and the startup of that pipeline. We've got increasing tensions uh, surrounding Ukraine. As Francis mentioned, extremely low European gas storage levels, which have been contributed in part by Norwegian supply outages over the winter. And overlying all of those uh, uncertainties, we've also got the energy transition and the move to a cleaner future, which is also introducing, I think, for many players in the market, a significant level of uncertainty, particularly looking for future investments into the energy space. What do you think the legal consequences will be of this continuing price volatility? Well, I think in the near term, we're already seeing a number of LNG buyers seeking to protect themselves and oil index long-term contracts to try and secure both price and volume certainty. I mean, over the last few years, we've seen an increase in the number of spot cargoes traded, and it certainly makes sense to have part of your LNG portfolio being spot supply. But I think people through this volatility have really come to re-recognize the benefits of long-term contracts, uh, oil index link pricing, which provides an element of stability, which obviously you don't have so much if it's a gas-linked spot sale. I think there will also be uh, an increasing focus or pressure on trying to secure some regulatory certainty for the future use of LNG and gas as part of the energy mix, uh, because I think that's going to be necessary to try and support near-term 
investment in LNG infrastructure, both on the liquefaction and regas side, which in the future will then uh, reduce the price pressure and price volatility which we see in the marketplace. I, I don't know, Francis, do you have any, any other thoughts? Yeah, I think, thank you, James. I think at the negotiation stage, we're going to see greater awareness of and scrutiny of wordings which permit variation between the base contract quantity and the actual quantity finally delivered. I suspect that one of the lessons learned from the past 12 months is that percentages which look fairly small on paper can have a potentially quite significant economic value in a volatile market. So in terms of provisions which permit commercial adjustments, permissions to change the quantity ostensibly to accommodate an LNG ship with a different cargo carrying capacity, and even the ordinary sort of operational tolerances that you'd always expect to see at the loading or the unloading port. I suspect parties are going to be taking a taking a step back and looking at the words used in more detail, asking themselves, do they give the other party a, a broad discretion which goes beyond what's purely necessary at an operational level? And is that commercially acceptable? Something else I think we might see, which has been discussed quite widely, is buyers seeking to exclude caps on failure to deliver liability where there's been a deliberate or willful default. The obvious challenge with that is that exceptions of this kind are intensely fact-driven. So in practice, how is a buyer going to demonstrate that the clause is engaged? And that's something people have to think about quite carefully if they want to include this type of wording. We've also been thinking a bit about whether there are any alternative approaches. We've seen in the shipping industry, for example, contracts which exclude caps on liability outright where certain market conditions apply. So for example, if the difference between the contract price uh, at the time the contract was concluded and the market price at the time of the default exceeds a certain percentage, then the cap on liability is automatically excluded. Obviously, that's going to be quite deeply unattractive from a seller's perspective, and it'll be interesting to see whether those types of idea gain any traction in the market. Thanks, Francis. So perhaps we're seeing an environment in which people are a bit less comfortable than they were using historic MSPAs and therefore seeking to negotiate uh, added protection via the confirmations themselves, I guess. James, anything else that you would like to comment on? Well, yeah, no, Richard, I think it's also worth noting that there's obviously been well-reported pressures created by the requirement to post margin for many LNG trades and it's created quite a bit of pressure in the marketplace. But as we've seen in previous periods and, and uh, in other jurisdictions, for example, uh, in the US gas markets in the mid-2000s, so there were significant spikes in, in value of Henry Hub, which caused real problem for gas producers in the US. The financial institutions were able to provide support to those gas producers in the form of marginless hedging arrangements, which are, are still in place to this day. And I think you know, looking forward from, from a market perspective, you know, let's be hoped that you know, similar models will be adopted to provide some relief to the, the players in the markets and to allow the smooth operation of, of the LNG trading market. I think one of the things that struck us during 2021 was the increase in the number of disputes uh, which we were asked to get involved in. And I wonder if you've got views, Francis, on what's driven that increase in disputes and do we expect that trend to continue into 2022 and beyond? 
I think there's a couple of things to mention. So price volatility is an obvious culprit. Price fluctuations of the kinds we've seen over the last 12 months, combined with the industry practice of agreeing caps on liability, which are relatively generous compared to other trades, mean that the amounts which are at stake when things go wrong may be considerably higher than they've been in previous years. And I think that's influenced attitudes a bit, both to engaging in disputes and crucially willingness to pursue those disputes to more formal proceedings. So that's been a a change from previous years. And I think it's also worth mentioning the fragmentation of the LNG market over the last decade or so. I think it's fair to say that sort of 10 to 15 years ago, there were fewer sources of supply, fewer market participants, and the spot market as a whole was genuinely less liquid. And what that meant was the impact of a relationship deteriorating or falling away was maybe a bit more keenly felt than it would be today. And that encouraged perhaps a more collaborative approach to operational issues. And one of the changes we're now seeing is that whilst relationships are still, of course, important, as they are in any commodities trading business, the market's just more densely populated and participants have more options. So, you know, arguably that's made people more willing to to stand their ground, even if that means they're taking the risk of a relationship going a bit sour. And what about you, Richard? What what sort of trends have, have you observed in LNG disputes? I, I guess uh, very similar, Francis. To me, it's reasonably straightforward formula. I guess an evolving structure of the sector and the way LNG is contracted, more spot contracts, more traded cargoes, different players, plus volatility equals more disputes, I guess. Uh, and certainly during the last 18-month period, you know, we've, we've sort of oscillated between uh, supply and demand constraints, particularly because of the COVID situation. And that in itself produces the volatility and that leads to a greater tendency, I guess, both through necessity or through a willingness on the players in the sector to deal with non-performance, you know, be that complete non-performance or delayed performance or, you know, partial non-performance. So I guess all of that leads to much greater scrutiny of one's contractual and legal position day to day than perhaps was the case. A much greater focus and tendency to rely on provisions which excuse performance, so force majeure, MAC, hardship clauses and the like. And if those don't produce the outcome that the party looking to excuse its non-performance wants, and that might well be the case, then, of course, as Francis, you, you mentioned, there's failure to deliver, failure to take provisions, but they can be complex, they can be cumbersome. And then, of course, there's the liability caps that you alluded to before. So I guess there's perhaps a greater tendency to look for other legal outs, if you like. You mentioned willful default, but then there's also the exercise of one's rights at law. So picking up on failures to comply with obligations in a timely manner which very often has strict legal consequences in English law, picking up on statements about inability to perform, repudiation, and so on. And failing all of that, I guess, given some of the money involved sometimes, parties prepared simply not to perform, to go into dispute, if you like, to kick the can down the road, I suppose. So that's certainly been a bit of a feature of the last 12 months or so. Perhaps we could just change tack a little bit. James, something for you to to comment on. 
So you alluded at the beginning to the importance of LNG to the energy transition, and, and, and there's certainly been an awful lot of debate around energy transition during the last year to 18 months. What trends do you see related to the push to decarbonize during 2022 and beyond? Thank you, Richard. So, well, I think it's firstly certainly true that LNG's role in the energy transition has been, is being hotly debated, and rightly so. But as a practical matter, and I think as a matter of energy security, LNG really has to form part of the near and the mid-term energy mix. I mean, by way of example only, gas was the second largest source of electricity generation in Europe last year after nuclear. It's simply not practical to stop LNG gas power generation. And I think that's been recognised in part by the European Commission's draft taxonomy guidelines, which have a place for the transition use of, of gas. However, equally, I think it's important for the LNG industry to actively promote and sell the environmental benefits of gas in the energy mix and to be very much on the front foot rather than defensive about fossil gas. And so you know, it's important to displace coal and fuel oils. It's essential as a complement to renewables. And obviously, it's the source of blue hydrogen and blue ammonia. So it's part of the hydrogen revolution as well. So in turn, I think what we're going to see very much in this year, 2022, is a growing focus on the carbon footprint associated with each molecule of LNG. So we're going to see increased look at investment in carbon capture and storage. In the US, there's a lot of support for that through tax credits. In the upstream, there's going to be a focus on reducing flaring in the production and the transportation of gas. There's going to be a, a real focus on methane leakage for the power generation for the LNG trains. The people are looking at using renewable power to do that rather than the gas. But for all of that, it's going to be really important to have a reliable and consistent monitoring, reporting and verification system for all greenhouse gas emissions throughout the supply chain. And there's some really good work ongoing in that respect. And I think the LNG industry is responding to, to what the public and end buyers and consumers are demanding. And late last year, we saw the GII GNL publish a framework, which I think is a very positive first step along that road. And I think in a similar vein, you know, we saw quite a few green LNG cargoes last year. I think there were 25, 30 uh, green LNG cargos. And there were sort of carbon offsets for the carbon footprint associated with those LNG cargos. But moving forward, I think there's going to become increasing pressure on only using those carbon offsets for unavoidable emissions. And so just the carbon elements of the, the LNG, which cannot be avoided through the production. But ultimately, clearly, it's a very positive discussion. Uh, it should hopefully be supported by the majority of players in the LNG market. And I think it's necessary for the long term use and, and production of, of LNG and gas in the energy mix. And Francis, did you have any, any other thoughts? So I agree there's been an awful lot of focus on the role LNG may have to play in decarbonisation. 
And I think inevitably, much of the discussion has been around carbon emissions at both the production and the consumption phases. But as you've rightly alluded to, we also need to be looking at the LNG supply chain as a whole. And a big part of that, of course, is the transportation of the LNG from the point of production to the point of end use using LNG ships. And I think one of the things that we're also interested in is how the push to decarbonize the shipping industry as a whole is going to affect the LNG market. So specifically, the IMO's EEXI and CII regulations are due to come into force in early 2023. And if large parts of the fleet will require technical adjustments in order to comply, this could affect supply and demand dynamics in the LNG charter market, and we think influence behaviours and outcomes on the supply and purchase side. In particular, there's been speculation that in order to achieve compliance with CII, some LNG ships are going to have to reduce steaming times and or cargo carrying capacity, at least in the short term. So if the old assumptions about how long it takes to move an LNG ship from A to B and carrying a certain volume cease to be correct during 2023, we might be going to see a different approach to cargo scheduling during 2022. Maybe, for example, efforts to broaden pools of pre-agreed acceptable ships and longer term contracts uh, to obtain greater flexibility around substitutions or simply just around the timings of, of deliveries as people struggle to get used to the new normal. In any case, I think we can expect parties to be considering where the risk of slow steaming or reduced cargo capacity lies, and to be taking steps to protect themselves at the contract negotiation phase, or at least to understand where their exposures might lie under these regulations. So I think we all agree that 2022 looks as though it will continue to be a busy year in the LNG sector. What do you think are the bumps in the road if the if we can foresee them from a legal perspective. Francis, do you want to have a word on that? Yeah, sure. I think regulatory uncertainty um, is going to play a part at all levels of the supply chain. I think it's fair to say we know greater regulation is coming. Uh, what we don't know at the moment is how it's going to look in practice and how LNG is going to be treated. One of the challenges from a legal point of view is going to be how to allocate risk, in particular in longer term arrangements, when the regulatory landscape is semi-formed and subject to some really quite material change. I think one of the ways that this challenge might manifest itself is in uh, perhaps more protracted or difficult contract negotiations with each party trying to sort of future-proof their position against both the expected and the unexpected. Perhaps, for example, rights to reopen or even walk away from contractual obligations if key regulatory dynamics change. Um, And as I think both of you know, those sorts of rights can be very sensitive and very difficult to agree, which may have knock-on effects. James? Yeah, so again, fully agree with what Francis just said. But to me, the the key risk or the the main risk of a bump in the road for, for the LNG industry is just the uncertainty and whether that then leads in turn to people not being willing to make the investments necessary to maintain future supply. We've seen so many times in so many commodity, the the boom and bust cycle, and LNG is no different. You see peaks and troughs of investments, FIDs coming in droves and then try years for many, many years. And unfortunately, that I think is, is the real risk for the LNG sector now. 
that LNG is an essential element of, of the energy transition, as we've been talking about. But an essential element of that is that LNG has to be cost competitive. If it's trying to displace coal, if it's trying to displace other fuel oils, then it has to be economic to do so. And you know we're already seeing with the extreme price volatility in the market now, people turning back to using coal and, and fuel oils just because it's simply cheaper and you can get your hands on some rather than LNG. And that is not a good position for the LNG or the gas market to be. You know, LNG has to be priced at a sensible level to each of the producers and the consumers, there's a fair balance, but it has to enable people to make the transition and the investments, both on the liquefaction side, and these are multi-billion dollar projects which people are undertaking for 20 years, 20, 30 years, and likewise on the regas side, it's a significant investment for host jurisdictions to make. And so my concern is that that is probably the main bump that we see in the road, but hopefully that we're seeing already with the European Commission's taxonomy guidelines providing a helpful steer. And if we continue down that path, then I think, as you were mentioning, the, the future looks bright for LNG. That's a, a good note to finish on, I guess, James, with a, an optimistic view. So that's all we've got time for. Thank you, James. Thank you, Francis. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.